when you're little, when you're a little kid and you're seeing that sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't, yes, saving will probably put you in a better position, but you get into Mm -hmm. a point where you're hoarding. You can get into a point where you don't even let yourself buy a coffee because you're so worried about the money not coming back. You're listening to The Leader's Lab with Dr. Charity TV. Welcome to The Leader's Lab, the podcast created to help millennial multi-passionate entrepreneurs build, organize, launch, and manage their online brands and businesses without losing balance. And now, here's your host, the digital organization development consultant, cross-cultural communications specialist, and your favorite global leader, Dr. Charity C. Campbell. Hey, 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 Entre Leaders. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of the Leaders Lab podcast. If you are new here, I am your host, Dr. Charity C. Campbell, better known as Dr. C. And I am a doctor of management, a world-class millennial global leader, an academic professional, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. And here in the Leaders Lab, we talk all things entre leadership, which is entrepreneurship and leadership concepts that are married together, communication skills, and balance as a millennial. And in today's episode, our very special guest is here to share with us how her faith fuels her social justice work, how setting up your finances to move into entrepreneurship can happen, and so much more. Now, most people are unsure whether they're doing the right thing with their money. Can I get an amen? Are you out there? All the Colors is the name of our special guest company. And this company gives you the skills, the knowledge, and practices that you need to feel confident in your money decisions. And so they do this through Bosque Money, which is a six-month community program with live virtual meetings and an online community space. And our very special guest, who is Diana Yanez, she is also a speaker, a workshop facilitator, and writer on financial empowerment and social justice. Now, before finding her calling as a financial planner and coach in 2016, Diana Yanez worked in social services, population projections, and business analysis at a manufacturing company. As a financial planner, she's found the perfect fit between complex analysis, and making a meaningful contribution to the lives of others. Entre Leaders, help me welcome to the Leaders Lab, our very special guest for this episode, none other than Diana Yanez. Welcome to the Leaders Lab, love. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction, Dr. C. It's my pleasure. And thank you once again for bringing your contribution here to the Leaders Lab. We're about to talk about money today. We're talking about the financial foundation, the growth. Honestly, I feel like you are going to both help and probably rebuke some of us in terms of talking about money here. But first, let me just ask you, how did you find your calling as a financial planner? Yeah. And as you can tell from like my introduction, it took a couple of different tries. I felt like Goldilocks because 
often people either love numbers or they love people, but here I am, someone uh-huh. who loves both. And okay. it's a couple of trials and errors, but it, it was a book called The Seven Stages of Money Maturity by George Kinder, which is mm-hmm. where I got my registered life planner designation. Okay. And uh, this book talks about using money to live into your values, using money to create the world that you want to see, to create the life you want to see for yourself and your family. And I remember when I read that book thinking, like, I would love to be able to do that. And also Mm -hmm. thinking, I've worked in the financial services industry. That's not what they do. What do they do? What do they do? (laughs) A lot of the industry really is focused on profit first. It's focused on what can I sell you? When people are looking at the financial services industry, the most well-known person is Bernie Madoff, who did this huge Ponzi scheme. Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of distrust. If you come from a historically oppressed population, if you're Latino, if you're Black, if you're women, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of the finance industry has done that's pretty exploitative and oppressive. So you can tell, like I had a lot of, I had worked in the financial services industry when I was in college and I read this book and I'm like, that sounds too good to be true. Thankfully, I met a certified financial planner who said, this is actually what I do. I actually do help people. And wow. And she was right. I am so happy with this job. It really is my calling. Wow. That's awesome. So once you found your calling as a financial planner, what was the next thing for you? I love education. I imagine you do too as a doctor. So for the certified financial planning designation, there's a lot of different designations that you can get to start working on finances. Sometimes you don't even need one. But I really love learning thoroughly. What does it mean to do well in this job? How can I best serve the people that I'll be serving? So I enrolled in the classes I started attending the Financial Planning Association. So I started attending professional organizations. Wow. Yeah, so that I could get really immersed in the field, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to be my fourth career. I was at a point where, like, I can't keep starting at the bottom. Yeah. I, I really want to date this before I marry it kind of thing. I did my research. So you did your research, and then you decided that, okay, it's time for me to go into business for myself. No, great question. I worked under someone else. So in order to be a CFP, it's an apprenticeship model. Just like doctors and residencies, I worked at a more traditional firm based out of Philadelphia for about three years. RTD Financial, wonderful people. Yet a lot of this profession is set up to work with high net worth individuals. And Mm -hmm. I want to be able to serve my community. As a Latina, my community is not generally high net worth. I created all the colors and more specifically, Bolske Money, which is that six-month community coaching program. Okay. Wow. Were there other financial programs or financial online institutions or online programs and things? And like, for example, Dave Ramsey. Are you familiar with Dave Ramsey? Yeah, I definitely am. And I love a lot of his work. Like he's helped Okay. of people move forward. Susie Orman, there's all of these people who've really helped you move forward. And yet, like I again, if you come back to who I am, I'm really focused on social justice. Dave Ramsey's not really talking about social justice. Neither is Susie Orman okay. and Chase Bank, Wells Fargo. They're not talking about it. They may be like doing some window dressing, but working with your money to really make sure that through your entire way that you are with money, the way that you earn, the way that you spend, who you give to, how you invest. It's like creating the community that you want to see in the world. That's where I help people. A lot of people feel really attached with their money, really disenfranchised, feeling like there's nothing I can do. The system is just what the system is. Mm. You always have options though. There's always a way that you can change what you're doing to really feel more empowered for yourself, yeah. for your family. 
So coming back to the people, you said you really love people. You love helping people and working with people. How has that passion for people played into your now career? Yeah. When people talk about money, most of us get pretty antsy. Even I can get antsy, even though I've been in this work for years. Or am I doing mm-hmm. the right thing? We don't get a lot of instruction on how to do it well. Yeah. So I'm a really warm person. Like you come into a meeting with me. I'll make sure that you feel settled before I start asking you about those numbers. I was telling a friend recently, like one of my favorite testimonials that I've gotten was uh, I was working with a couple. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the partners said like that after working together for a couple of months, he could now talk to his wife without her starting to cry or just in the room. Wow. And so many couples have problems over money. Like money can be Mm -hmm. a huge cause of stress. So me giving them the information, but not only the information, like the systems that they need to set up, giving them a lot of Mm -hmm. compassion. It's okay that you have these patterns. One of the things that happens often is if you grew up in a household where sometimes you had money and sometimes you didn't, Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm will save. They'll be like, just in case I don't have any. Other people will spend because they don't know when it's going to come again. And both make sense. Wow. You said both make sense? Both make sense. When you're little, when you're a little kid and you're seeing that sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't, yes, saving will probably put you in a better position, but you get Mm -hmm. into a point where you're hoarding. You can get into a point where you don't even let yourself buy a coffee because you're so worried about the money not coming back. Wow. Then when you spend everything you have, we all know what that kind of stress can be like. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do if you have a person who they come to you and they're like, they need help and they are all types of messy with their Mm -hmm. money. And they're just like, I really need your professional help. Who is like you said, have the scarcity mentality. And I don't know if you want to call it the abundance mentality, just because you spend is more so like scarcity. It's two types of scarcity mentality. It's scarce, so I'm going to save, and it's scarce, so I'm going to spend. And so what do you do if you have a client who is more on the spending end of the spectrum? He or she wants to move closer to the save. Like They want to find a, a good balance, like a happy balance. And I love that you brought up the experience of living in a household where sometimes you have money and sometimes you didn't. Because if we look at it, and I don't know the statistics, but I just know what I feel. It's my podcast. So if I'm wrong, it's okay. Typically, we are talking about minority households who had money or didn't have money, right? So how would you help to coach that person who is more on the spend, but they really do want to get to that save side? I start off just saying, congratulations on being here. Wow. Honestly, like when you're trying to get healthy and you're trying to change your body or eating habits and you start to buy fruits and vegetables, they thank you to the part of you that's looking for that. So when someone comes to me who is angry at themselves, who's ashamed of themselves, of what they've done with money, I start Mm. off helping them step into having compassion for themselves. Yeah. if I'm coming at myself and all I do is say, you should be doing this, you should be, I don't want to hear it. I'm just right. And that makes sense. So I really start off just congratulating them on being here okay, and helping them start to envision what they want to move into. Ooh. I help them, wow. really help them stay consistent with who they want to be with money 
and knowing that it's okay. a reality. This is why I developed community coaching. If you've heard of James Clear, Atomic Habits, or Charles Duhigg, author of The Power of Habit, both yeah. of them are like they talk a lot about like the best way to form a new behavior, to form a new habit, is to join a group of people who are already doing the thing you want to do. Nice. Because instead of it just being on your shoulders, here's a group of people who have either already gone through what you're going through, or like you can give them help. It's like you're comparing yourself in a way that's actually building you up. You're saying person who used to not, who used to be in credit card debt is now at a place where they have a fully funded emergency fund. I can do it. Yes. Yes. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like working in a community also normalizes your experience, which means it makes you feel like you belong. You're not a freak because whatever you're doing with money, like most people are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And one of my favorite thinkers is Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams. She's a Zen Buddhist. And she says that without inner change, without me changing the way that I look at money, the way that I look at myself, Mm -hmm. there can't be no outer change. If my story in my head is that I'm bad with money, I'm already saying I can't change. But once I start thinking, you know what, I can learn the skills, the practices, the knowledge that it takes, start to see outer change. Wow. At the same time, it's not on the individual because without collective change, I like that. It doesn't matter how much I save if Latinas on average earn 53 cents to every dollar a white man earns. Like, it's not just on my shoulders. The society itself needs to wake up, but like, we get to work on both fronts. Wow. Was that one of the reasons you mentioned community a little while ago? How does community coaching help participants to reach their goals then? There's a lot of accountability in it, right? Because it's a six-month program. The first six weeks, we meet every week and we check in on what went well, what didn't, what's coming up for you. And that's pretty intense approach to looking at your money or spending two hours talking with other strangers about your money. I also have a lot of a lot of the knowledge information that we need. I have it okay. on the green platform. So what are stocks? What are bonds? What are different retirements? Yeah. Like this is especially focused on the US market. And then I offer Q&A sessions. So like whatever money questions you have once a month, come and ask them. And again, one of the things that's really important about us as people, we're very social creatures. If okay. you did money like this your entire life and now mm-hmm. want to get over here, that in-between stage, it might feel like you just don't belong anywhere. Yeah. Really easy to backslide. If you and your girlfriend used to go shopping to de-stress and mm-hmm. now decided that instead you want to go take a hike and she's not into it, like if she feels judged because you're not doing the thing that you used to do together, what do you do in that in-between? Wow. Have that conversation with her. So that you can continue to be friends and to nurture each other. It's the same thing with partners, right? One of my, I love working with couples because if one of them is really like a saver and really anxious and the other one's kind of checked out and is whatever you want. And then there's, it can get messy in between helping them Uh together is super important. It's part of my, it's my favorite work. Really. I love working with couples and helping them just feel better about their money. I love it. I'm going to make sure I come to you. Tell you, I love to spend. I'm getting ready to tell on myself. Tell and yes, me. I do love to spend, but I love to spend on things that I'm like, oh man, this is going to be great. Like, I love my studio. Okay. Mm-hmm. And here's the, if I can be completely honest with you, Deanna, I will spend until I am satisfied with what I see 
And then after that, I don't have a need to buy anything else. When I move into a new home, I just want to go ahead and spend all the money that I need for making the home, transforming it basically, Mm -hmm. for transforming it. And it's therapy for me. Once I have everything situated though, I don't need to buy anything else. But I realized that, so that's when my saving is supposed to come into play. But honestly, Deanna, I don't really think I'd be saving the way I'm supposed to. Help me. I don't think I'd be saving because... Like you said, if you grew up in a household that sometimes you had it, sometimes you don't. The older you get, you're like, I couldn't have it when I was a kid, so I'm going to buy my own stuff now. I'm an adult and I can buy whatever I want. And then you end up buying everything that you want. Yeah. And it's, oh, where's my savings? Yeah. And and having those savings, what do you think having those savings? If you're okay with me asking the questions... Oh, oh, okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Let me get ready for the chair. This is the, I'm in the hot seat now. Yes. I'm. How do you think that having savings would help you? What would that bring to your life to an emergency fund or savings? What does that mean? I think it would, first of all, it would ease the stress of like last minute or unknown or unforeseen situations that can occur and not even all bad. There could be some good. One of my colleagues could be abruptly like leaving during the middle of the semester and here she is like, hey, let's travel here or there. Let's go here in China or let's go outside of China and let's just explore. And I have to look into my account and be like, ooh, I kind of spend all my money. So I can't really go do that right now. But maybe we can have a dinner. <laughs> here they go. Their idea of doing something really fun is to go travel. But because I hadn't saved or I had just enough, like a little bit, then oh, okay, that's done. Like dinner is all we can do. Either that, lunch or coffee. But aside from that, I can't do all the other stuff. And I don't think before that I could ever actually define it, but you did it when you said sometimes and sometimes. Depending on how you were or your personality, you have money, you spend it, or you have money and you save it. And let me tell you, I would spend it. Help me, help me. So one of the things that I talk about is money archetypes. And because I love nature, I have five money archetypes and they're all based on a tree. What you're telling me, we haven't had the full conversation, but it sounds to me like you're a magnolia tree. Magnolias, they're always blooming, always green, always luscious. They're beautiful. In the spring, when they bloom, they've got these these massive flowers. And even in the winter, when everybody else is losing their leaves, they're not. They're still like thick and lush. Like they're really a very vibrant green. I remember when I was living wow. in Philadelphia, all of the trees were bare except the magnolia trees. What's wow. Beautiful is that they never have any regrets. They can look back and they can look at their space and it's beautiful. It's what they want it to be. The hard yeah. thing about it though is that with magnolias, one of the challenges is that like nothing can grow underneath because they're so lush. Like nothing underneath can get sunlight. And sometimes when I see it in people, it's because they're so afraid. They're so uncomfortable having a desire that's not fulfilled. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like they're so uncomfortable. Wow. They're so comfortable with being disappointed, basically. Or no, they're uncomfortable just like saying no to anything of themselves, if that makes sense. They're very much like in today, how do I make everything beautiful today? And like thinking about the future, it's who cares? The future's not coming. Oh. And the problem, or I mean, it's it, and it can be really harsh. Sometimes people with that okay. personality, that there's some existential dread. Like they just want to feel good all the time. And with any of the archetypes, there's five of them, right? We're just talking about one right now. Any of the archetypes, if you only have one of them, if you're too deep into one of them, you only have like their challenges. It's really important to to balance yourself across them. 
Wow. One of the ways that I help people do that, especially with their cash flow and when they're like starting the savings, is to look at mm-hmm. their values. I have them go through this values identification exercise. And then when they're looking uh-huh. at their cash flow planner, we put the values like the top five values up top. And there needs to be a category that lives into those values. Wow. Um, when you were talking about travel, like one of my values is I call it adventure. I love going on adventures. Depending on where my income is at, sometimes that adventure is going to a new museum. Sometimes it's traveling internationally. But I need to make sure that I'm having that itch of something new, experiencing something new, be addressed. If you know that one of yours is beauty, seeing things that are beautiful and owning them and buying them, bringing them into your home, then having a line Mm -hmm. item that says, this is for beauty, right? Interesting. It's like when you give yourself permission to live into all of yourself, it's easier yeah. to be in discipline. When I tell myself, yeah, you can have ice cream once a week. I really enjoy yeah. that ice cream. But when I'm like, no, we're on a diet. We're not eating it. Yeah. Next thing I know. You want to go eat the whole pint. Yeah. I've done that. I've done that. But why are we like that? Why are we like that? I have done that several times. Because, you know, sometimes we just don't listen to ourselves. That's it. Like I started a meditation practice back in 2016 Uh and it was real annoying to hear all the things that I wanted. Wow. (laughs) It was really hard to be like, oh my God, you want to do what? And I think that that sometimes that's a lot of what happens. You see a lot of people act out in their money. A lot of people act out in different ways, but yeah, specifically with their money in ways that that harm themselves because they're not listening. Like you just you wait until the end, and like it's already a crisis by the time you come and look at it. Yeah, and wow. it's okay. It's like whatever it takes to come and look at it and develop the skills and the way of being that actually serves you. Just thank it for taking you to where you're at and then do the work to move forward. A lot of the times when people are looking at money, it can feel really confusing. There's so much jargon that we don't understand, but the work by Dr. Sarah Newcomb, who's a behavioral therapist at Morningstar, she defined five vital money signs that we all need to keep an eye on. And they're pretty intuitive. So they feel easy to understand. There's no complicated jargon to look at. And okay. the vital money signs are, I'm going to read them out and then break into what each of them means. It's net worth over okay. time, debt to income ratio, months of safety, financial Ooh. independence quotient, and financial stress. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Net worth over time is simply looking at how much do you have, how much do you owe, how does that total out? Yeah, yeah. And then looking at that maybe every year, every quarter, and making sure that it's headed in the direction of owning more than you owe. When we're starting off our career, if you got student loans, you're going to be in the negative. When you buy a home, you might be in the negative. But then over time, you want to see the trajectory is upwards. Yes. If you okay. see the trajectory is downwards, it's that's a hard stop of, okay, I'm living beyond my means. I'm spending more than I'm earning. How do I either yeah. change spending? How do I change the earning? Honestly, that's a yeah. question that we don't spend enough time on. Like we can earn more money, especially again, women, people that come from historically oppressed identities. Like we need to make sure that we're earning, that we're getting paid enough. Okay. The next one is the debt to income ratio. And this is how much debt do you have compared to your income? How much of your income goes to debt payments? Are you asking me? No, I'm not asking you. I'm just okay, talking. because I was about to say, can I can I just tell you that one a little bit later in private? Yeah, that's a good one. And like sometimes, yeah, if you're starting off a business like I am, sometimes your income is lower, and you're financing it. Sometimes yeah. that is where it is, but it's really good to just keep an eye on it. No shame, no blame. Just is this moving in a direction that's sustainable? 
Okay. The months of safety metric, this is basically how are your savings? If you were to be mm-hmm. let go, how many months mm-hmm. could you live on your savings? Or how long could you live on your, if you have passive income, passive income is if you write a book and you're getting royalties, passive income is you own real estate and they're paying you rent of your expenses are covered by that passive income or from those savings. The financial independence quotient, this tells you how much more you need to go in order to have financial independence. So this is basically a formula of what's your annual spending? How much do you spend per year on average? Mm -hmm. And how much of income could you create? How much passive income could you create from either your investments or other sources? Again, I'm talking book royalties, real estate income, whatever source of income you have. Okay. And then multiplying that together to see where you're at. And the last one is financial stress. So this Mm. one, there may not be a number for it, but maybe you (laughs) find out. If you know that financial stress makes you eat pints of ice cream, how many pints of ice cream have you eaten this month? Kind of have fights with your partner. How many of uh-huh. your partner have been around money? That's kind of wow. like the check-in that we need to do. And we all know intuitively where our financial stress is at. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So what would be your best financial advice to a millennial leader who they're like, listen, I really do. Need, I need to get my life together. I need to get my financial life together, but maybe I don't know where to start because I hadn't seen it as prevalent in the home. Like what type of advice would you give him or her? Yeah. I, again, I start with just congratulating you <laughs> to look at it because a lot of people don't super uncomfortable. Yeah. So like that part of yeah. you that I'm ready to like not be stressed out around money. Ooh, yes. That's a big move. Yeah. 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 And then it depends. If you have a lot of financial stress, where is that financial stress coming from? For some people, it might be their spending. You're like, you know what? I feel like really guilty around my spending. Something's going on there. And there's different exercises that you can do. One of the exercises is even just tracking it. For two weeks, write down, pen on paper, what am I spending my money? I Honestly, because there's something different. If you track it on a phone, you don't have the same kind of body connection as when you it down because it seeps into your mind differently. I remember reading this from like a hypnotherapist or something. And I'm like, I feel like that's true. Paper, two weeks, track everything, no judgment, shame, and just see what patterns you find. Okay. If your financial stress is coming from your income side, you're just not earning enough, then it's like, it's sitting down and thinking, what do I need to do? to earn more. If your financial stress is coming because you're supporting your family, what can you do to help them be more self-sufficient? Or how long are you going to be supporting them? Because as a Latina, my family is super important. I remember my mom, when I was telling her about retirement planning, when I was learning about it in college, I asked her, what's your retirement plan? And she's, who and your brother? When I got student loans, what do you mean me and my brother? Conversation many times. My mom said, I love it. I love it. Just first off, thank yourself for looking at it. And then I got it. Where's the financial stress coming from? And start to make movements into addressing it. Okay. All right. Excellent. All right. No, of course I asked that question because it was for me. I'm asking it's for me. A yeah. It's yeah. I am she. Okay. That's someone. That's me. So does having that scarcity mentality? This is the one where they hoard money. Maybe they're afraid of spending it because if I spend it, then I won't have it. And then what happens if? Yeah. Yeah. That can be like the bag lady syndrome of what if I don't have enough? What if I'm out on the streets kind of thing? Also women, we tend to be more conservative with our money. Often women don't invest enough. If we don't understand it, we don't want to do it. And we end up pushing ourselves, putting ourselves behind where we need to be. True. Um, Yeah. 
And one of the things that I've noticed, I haven't, I don't have any research on it, but I noticed that women want to understand something a lot more before they start doing it, which is really admirable, except when they start to use wanting to understand more as an excuse to not do it. Does that make sense? Mm, so if you're starting, yes. if it's time for you to start investing in the stock market or in your business or in yourself, and you just keep wanting to learn more before you do it, at some point it's like, okay, I've collected enough recipes. It's time for me to start cooking. Like that. Yeah. And and do you think it's usually because of fear? I think it's because of fear. Yes. I think it okay. is. Women, we do tend to outlive men. We tend to be underpaid. We tend to have a lot more caretaking responsibilities. There is a little bit more of that self-reliance thing that we need to have. I need to make sure that I have enough money set aside for if we're an emergency because we are taking care of more people. But you were asking me, I think the question you were asking me is the scarcity mentality like a trap forever? Are you, if you have a scarcity mentality, are you stuck in it? Was that kind of question? Basically, I wanted to know, would it hinder your chances for growth or your chance to become financially independent because all you're doing is just hoarding, but you're never spending. Does that make sense? Yeah. Actually, there's always stories of people with like really average incomes, maybe low incomes who hoard a lot, invest it, and then having a lot of money. But because they've always been hoarding, their lives may not have been as fulfilled as they would have wanted. Maybe they didn't live in the present as much. It's like the opposite of the Magnolia problem always living in the oh, future yeah. and you never en enjoy today. The scarcity mentality, I would say that the scarcity mentality can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think there's not enough, you're never going to have enough. I feel seen right there. You said if you think you're not going to have enough, then you're never going to have enough. So how do you get somebody to believe the opposite? How do you get somebody to start believing in the abundance mentality? And even beyond abundance, I think a lot about enough, which is really, that's like super revolutionary. Enough, efficiency. Oh. So with when there's scarcity, there's never enough. You're always trying to get more. When there's right. abundance mentality, you're also right. always trying to get more. Also always trying to grow and push yourself and have more and more. Right. You're afraid that you're never going to. Do you understand how it's like the opposites of the same channel? Whereas enough is a whole different planet. One of the things that we need to do as leaders is to focus on the process rather than the outcomes. I can. Ooh, I like that right? I can focus on how much I'm going to network, how many podcasts I'm going to pitch to, but I can't decide how many of them are going to take my pitch. All I right. can do is focus on the process, not the outcome. And if you know that you've done everything on your side for the process to be in place, then you mm -hmm. get to say that was enough so that you get to move wow. balance. Efficiency, yeah. that gives you permission for balance. Wow. I love it. It's like giving yourself, again, going back to food. I love my food analogies, but it's giving yourself permission to eat that bowl mm -hmm. of ice cream and enjoy mm -hmm. the entire thing. Scarcity would be telling yourself, I can't have that ice cream. Abundance would be, I'm going to eat all the ice cream. Sufficiency oh is like eating this bowl right now. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to taste it. I'm going to have a really good time with this bowl of ice cream. That's sufficiency. Wow. That's like pleasure. Okay. Yeah. Sufficiency. So if it's sufficient, that means that you have exactly what you need. I like it. Okay. I like it. And you talked about it with once your place feels really good, you're satisfied. I know. But until I do, I'm spending. Until the room is the way I want it, I am spending, spending, spending until I get it the way that I really want it to be. And that it's not just here. It's literally my entire, every single area. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Diana. I have one question that we ask 
all the leaders. And actually, I apologize, guys, because last week I did not ask the other, the our guest speaker, this question, but I remembered it specifically. So please forgive me. But Diana, what is the one characteristic that you believe every leader must have? I really think it's like that self-confidence. And they say that about entrepreneurs, right? Entrepreneurs are overly confident of themselves, but you got to be real confident to take all the rejection. Yes. <laughs> and Ooh. not even self-confidence. It's also, you got to really be able to enjoy the process. you got to really just focus on the process. Oh my gosh, I'm, yeah. I'm saying so many things, but it's like focusing <laughs> on the process and also having flexibility to get that feedback of this wasn't working. Let me change the route, but I can mm-hmm. figure it out. I can figure All right. it out. I love it. Okay, love. Tell people, how can they get in touch with you? How can they connect with Deanna? My favorite way of connecting is really through blogging. So I have a blog. It's blogs.allthecolors.net. I'm also on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and you can check out my website, allthecolors.net. And also, everyone, if you ever want to send an email to her and you're not on the contact us page, then you can just do Deanna at allthecolors.net. Again, that is Deanna.allthecolors.net. And also, don't worry, because we're going to make sure that it's in the description box below and the show notes so that you could just simply click on her links and connect with her that way. I just have to ask, like, where'd you get the name All the Colors? Like, where is that from? Thank you. It's actually a super cute story. I went to visit one of my best friends and she was going through some stuff where she looked really grayed out. She wasn't looking mm-hmm. super vibrant. And we spent that weekend, we went dancing, we went drinking, we got our nails done, we went shopping, uh-huh. we kind of did everything everything she was going yeah. through stuff and by the end of it it like it looked like she had all the colors she was vibrant wow. again wow. and I'm building a business or I have a business where I want people to bring all of their colors, including that mm-hmm. great sense of themselves. Like the part of you wow. that really kind of out of touch with your money and the part of you that feels maybe angry the part of you that feels fear, like all of the emotion. Wow. Wow. I love it. Thank you for sharing with us your story of all the colors all the colors. Cause I was like, where'd you get this from? But I get it. I get it. Thank you so much. And uh, we appreciate having you here in the leaders lab with us. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Dr. C. All right. You're so welcome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you found this content very valuable. Don't forget that you can connect with me as well on social media. I am everywhere at Dr. Charity TV, and you can also visit drcharitytv.com right there magically appear on the screen for you. And if you by chance have a testimonial that, you know, while you are watching or listening to the podcast, whether watching or listening, you heard something that our speaker for today, Diana Yanez said, and it was like, wow, that really resonated with me. And you applied it and then you got some results. Those are called receipts. We need that. We want to hear how you are doing. So please go ahead and shoot us an email at the Leaders Lab Podcast at drcharitytv.com. Let me know if it's a testimonial. And if you are also trying to be a guest on the Leaders Lab Pod, then you submit your application for season three. And we're going to get you up here, but you can do all of that with the Leaders Lab Podcast at drcharitytv.com. Listen, it has been amazing spending time with Nayanez and bringing her and all of her contributions to you. And don't forget, you can connect with her. Check out the description box, check out the show notes, click on all the links and go to 
allthecolors.net and, and just see how she can help you level up your financial life. Okay. All right. Listen, that is going to be all for us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate, download today's episode, because you know, you're going to need to hear Deanna again. Okay. You're going to need to hear everything that she said again. So download it. Okay. And then do me a favor, share it. Same thing with the YouTube video. You can't download it, but you can share it, right? Give a thumbs up, all of that. If you're not subscribed to the channel, go ahead and do that soon. Share. Because without you and doing that, we will not accomplish our goal, which is to continue reaching millennial global entrepreneurs all around the world. So that is all for this week, my loves. I will see you next week in the lab. Thank you for listening to the Leaders Lab podcast. Visit our website at www.drcharitytv.com and follow us on all social media platforms with at Dr. Charity TV.